Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your challenges are unrelatable <laughs> to your family, to your best friend, to your best man, your best woman, your maid of honor. They do not understand how heavy the crown is if you run a business. Oh my gosh. I have a tax issue or I need to fire someone or a bank is coming after, you know, they, I can't get a loan. Those are first world problems. I felt embarrassed talking about it because people are like, okay, successful business guy, rich guy, I'm having anxiety attacks in the middle of the night because I have no one to talk to. So having a peer group that can go, dude, I totally get it. I had the same experience and here's how I stepped in it. Like, here's the mistake that I made, I want to keep you from making that, that is gold. I said earlier, the best decision I ever made in business was joining peer groups. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, and business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest today. My main man, Mike Maddock, is in the house. What's up, Mike? Living the dream, Darius. Living the dream. Oh, I'm so, I'm so, so happy to have you on. So for those of you that don't know, Mike is a past guest. I can't believe when people actually want to come back. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm like, oh, we could host you next month. They're like, I'm busy for all of 2022. No, it's it's good to have you, man. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. You know, I enjoy I always enjoy having conversation with you. So all the better. Yeah, definitely. I yearn for us to get to see each other in person. So the next time we can make that happen, we're gonna do it. So Mike is, we know each other through my MIT program that I talk about all the time on the show, uh, Gathering of Titans. And as Mike educated me on, it's the, like the participants aren't the Titans. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a freaking Titan. No. no, I'm not. It's the speakers who are educating the cohort. We're in this group at, called Gathering of Titans at MIT. 
Um, I met Mike about four or five years ago, actually five years ago. And Mike's one of the big, uh, one of the founding members, that correct, of Gathering Titans? I am. Yeah. When our class, the way it happened was we got done a three-year program at MIT and we wanted to keep going. We went down to Vern Harnish, who is the our teacher and the founder. And he said, no, it's three years, it's over. So we said, thank you, handed him a Rolex, collected credit cards, rented the facility, nominated a chairperson. And that was 20 years ago. We've been going back ever since, once a year. Yeah. And I got lucky enough to join the group about five years ago. And then I, I am now amongst, I will be amongst the ranks of the Mike Maddox of the room who are a chair of the program. So thank you for doing that. It's a real, oh, it's man. A yeah, it is a lot of work, but it's it's a gift, you know. So it's a cool thing to get to do. But but you know, look, what so I didn't know Mike going into into that room, but Mike's one of those people that, you know, I mean, we've gotten to hang out and talk, you know, over the years, but I, let me put it this way. Mike's a person that if you don't know him at all, but the minute he talks, you're like, I want to get to know that person. Like yeah. you have that quality about you. <laughs> That's funny cuz when I was younger, people would always introduce me as, "Oh, I'm going to introduce you to Mike Maddock. You're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. Like, why do you do that? That's a high bar. So if they don't love me, they hate me. And hopefully I've softened over the years and I'm less polarizing, but thank you. That's kind. I feel the same way about you, Darius. You have a, what you see is what you get mojo about you. And um, so, which is to say that you, you're the same guy in every room. And I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Yeah. I think that it's not love or hate with me. I think it's you love me or you think I'm weird. Like, <laughs> that's fine. I'd rather have that actually. <laughs> you're going to meet Darius. You're either going to love him or you're going to think he's just weird and not want to be near him. <laughs> I've embraced my weirdness. When I was a kid, there was this show that's very popular that people that are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s will remember called The Muppets. And they had a character named Gonzo who has, that all of them were animals except Gonzo, who was a weirdo. That was his actual nomenclature and his species. And so I, I remember being a kid being like, I'm, I'm like Gonzo. I'm a little weird. Is Gonzo the drummer that always exploded at the end? Is no, that, that's that's yeah. Animal. Okay. <laughs> I need to get my Muppets right. I, I yeah, right. come on. Hey, man, get it straight. That's Animal, please. I wanted to be Fozzie Bear because he he was the stand-up comedian character. And so when I was in I was in first grade, HBO Studios came to my Lutheran elementary school, and we got to like try out to be on TV. I don't remember what I said, but I, oh, I did. I I did like a what's black and white and red all over, and, and and that was my thing. I was telling a joke. I'm like a penguin with a sunburn, which is the punchline. But then I ended with waka waka waka. <laughs> I had a mentor early days named Father Joe Ruiz. And I talk about him on stage a lot. He was a um, really evolved priest, and he laughed like Fozzie Bear. He would be like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> All the millennials are like, who the hell are these guys talking about? What is Fozzie oh, and I Bear? I hope not. It was a, it was a sweet show. You know, it's, isn't it funny, like as you get older and you meet people and you're like, oh, you know, like this and you name something from, you know, from pop culture that is like, was like the biggest thing ever of its time. It would be like me saying, you know, like TikTok and you're like, what's that? You know, yeah. but I'm young and I don't know what it is. Right. It is and humbling. I had this girl that used to work for me and I would say like, I'm like, oh, a song would come on. It's like Guns N' Roses. I'm like, oh, I love Guns N' Roses. And she's like, who's that? Who's Bruce Springsteen? She said, no, I'm not kidding. She said, who are the Rolling Stones? I'm not lying. And I yeah. was like, get out of my car. <laughs> now, in her defense, 
her she was immigrated here from Vietnam when she was like five and her family was like hardcore Vietnamese. So like I'll give her a hall pass. I think the assumptions we make about people's understanding of the world we live in are really interesting. I mean, you, you, we assume that people are looking at everything through the lens that we have, but our lens has been shaped over different generations and through different experiences. So I've found that it's often a good idea to check in and just make sure that what you're seeing is what everybody else is looking at. Usually not. No, 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 no. There's three sides to every story. Your side, my, my side, and the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So More that, in Probably, yeah, I love that. Well, look, I want to give some of your formal background and then and then we could talk about like we're going to be talking about some really cool projects you're working on right now. A lot of our listeners are CEOs and entrepreneurs. And I went back because I, you know, I've been doing the show now for almost two years, but it, it was more of just a thing I was doing for fun. And then now I've gotten more serious about it. And I was like, man, I want to bring back some of my earlier guests because now we're going big on this show. We're going to be big time. And I was like, oh, I got to promote. I got to promote the people that need some promotion around the <laughs> awesome things they're doing. And you were like top of my list, man. So thank you, Darius. Thank you. So guys, Mike is an entrepreneur. We've already established that, but Mike is an entrepreneur. He's a keynote speaker and he's an executive coach and a writer. Mike Mack's purpose is to inspire and empower curiosity. He calls himself an idea monkey, which by the way, I use that all the time now. I used it yesterday. I'm on the phone with this guy and I'm like, man, you're an idea monkey. You need to get some people that can do some shit under you. <laughs> you know that, that title, Free the Idea Monkey, to focus on what matters most, that came from a business partner of mine and good friend, Raf Vitan, he called me and he's like, hey, hey, idea monkey, idea monkey, get in here. I need an idea. And I think it was a backhanded compliment, but I'm like, yeah, I am an idea monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I use the term having idea sex, which is, I guess, what idea monkeys would have with each other. But um, <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> have you, you heard that term? a really bad place right there. So let's keep going. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a provocative statement I use with people when I want to like throw them off. I'm like, hey, I'm like, let's have some idea sex. And they're like, what did you say? I'm like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, in 91, you established Matic Douglas at your company. And that's with the, your passion for problem solving. You've helped more than 25% of the Fortune 100 launch new products, services, and business models. And you've made Matic Douglas into an internationally recognized innovation, innovation consultancy. Obviously, you, you're a doodler, turned cartoonist, turned author, and we're going to be talking about your project today, Flourish Forums, man. I would love, to, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about that. Yeah, thanks. That's my latest. So I tell people that I'm a really good starter and a lousy finisher as a business person. My, what I'm pretty good at is seeing a need in the market and standing up company to solve that need, what I'm really bad at is scaling that. Now, I, you're a finisher, Darius. You took a business and just made it ginormous. My history's different. I've launched a whole bunch of businesses that get to be like three, four, seven, 15 million. Yay me. But then they just kind of go. <laughs> and so <laughs> everything I've written about and what I speak about is, you know, working on me. Like, oh my gosh, how does this keep happening? What is, what do I see here? And Flourish Forums is the solution, I think, to that ability to scale or not to scale that all leaders face. You know, Marshall Goldsmith, my friend, wrote a book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right. And being a good starter won't help you finish. So what do you do about that? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, you know, you and I are both 
doing some interesting things in scale. What I tell people is you need three things for scale, which is going to, I think Floriform's is really going to fit in nicely to this, to number three. But I say you need the right system, right? You need a community and you need access to experts. And I really feel like Flourish Forum, it solves for, the, for number two and number three, right? It's As we start to scale, it's what community are we surrounding ourselves with? Who's filling those gaps? To your point, if you're a great finisher or great great starter, that's amazing. Like that's your talent. That's your gift. That's like, you know, hard it is to start. First of all, starting stuff is hard and it's painful and it sucks when you're in it. Right. But so to have that town is so exponentially valuable, but, but where do you go once you start to your, to your point, how do you scale that? And, and so what I love, I'd love to get some background around, obviously you're starting this new thing. Why did you want to start it? What's the kind of give us some background on the, that story. Well, so first of all, just my um, forum is a really important part of my life. So I've been involved with organizations that center around forums. So entrepreneurs organization, young presidents organization, Vistage, et cetera, a strategic coach, all of these organizations are uh, peer-to-peer groups to help business leaders scale. I mean, become better people. And if you ask the members and look at the data, the number one benefit is forum. And so for 23 years, I've been in a forum with other entrepreneurs. We meet every month, four hours a month, we go on vacation together. And you know, they, they help you identify your blind spots. They call bullshit. And it's really the best decision I've ever made. I mean, my closest business and personal friends have been in forum. I've been in another forum for 15 years, et cetera. And yet, as I said, even with this group of really successful people that I love who will do anything to help me, I still have this pattern. So I ask myself why. And the reason is because in my experience, there's not a lot of intentionality around who goes in this group. It's kind of like, hey, you are on a business. It's the right size business. You're looking for a forum. Here's your forum. And the same thing happens. So, so you wind up being surrounded by people that maybe think like you or think completely the opposite, but it's not the right mix. So Flourish Forums is a hyper curated peer group where I model forums after what great companies have on their advisory boards. And so I go looking and testing for six different types of leaders that all happen to be in the same size company and put them in a virtual peer group, a flourish forum. Yeah. And, and, and I've been in forum. That's, that's actually kind of, I mean, one could argue how we know each other is through a, like a mega forum, right? That's right. Yeah. That, that's, but it's this idea for our listeners that don't know what forums are. If you look at these, you know, there's lots of different groups that have forums, but really the way forums structured from an entrepreneur's organization or Vistage or YPO is there are these little cohorts, 10, 8, 10, 6, 15 up entrepreneurs, business leaders, executives. There's a group now called Chief. Have you heard of this? Yes, I'm um, very familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah, so like that's a women's only executive group. I'm, I'm assuming I don't know if they have forum as part of it, but I, I hope they would. And so it's it's peer to peer learning, bringing people together, building that community support. Right, it takes a village to grow a child, and if you're trying to grow your life or grow your business, that that's that's that village that shows up to support you. You said you've been in your your forum for 15 years. Is that correct? My YPO forum for 15, my EO forum for about 23. And here's the thing that. I'm going to tell your listeners something they already know if they own a business. Your challenges are unrelatable <laughs> to your family 
to your best friend, to your best man, your best woman, your maid of honor, they do not understand how heavy the crown is if you run a business. You know, you're prop like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I have a tax issue or I have, I need to fire someone or I, or I, the bank is coming after, you know, they, I can't get a loan. Those are first world problems. And, you know, I was in enough, I did, I felt embarrassed talking about it because people are like, okay, successful business guy, rich guy. This is, I can't, I'm having anxiety attacks in the middle of the night because I have no one to talk to. So having a peer group that can go, dude, I totally get it. I had the same experience and here's how I stepped in it. Like, here's the mistake that I made. I want to keep you from making that. That is gold. So the, I said earlier, the best decision I ever made in business was joining peer groups. I think it's a essential uh, for sanity and growth if you own a business. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply and Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life. Canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. 
You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I love that you're saying that. I joined my first forum 16 years ago. I'm still in it. Yeah. Um, so you're in this. I think it's rare for people to stay in forums as long as you, you and I have. That's a special forum that, that you got lucky to get into. Um, but it takes work. It's fragile. And to your point, when you're in these situations, like I've been in situations where it's like, to your point, like people, if I told them the problems I was literally lo- losing my mind over and ruining my personal life, they would say, I wish I had those problems. You know, or, you know, I had a friend that said to me, he's like, you know, Darius, there's an old, I can't remember, like Indian tribe, but it was a Native American tribe. It's like an old, like Apache statement that, you know, a sick man only has one need and a rich man has uh, one want and a rich man has many, (laughs) you know, or one problem or something like that. It was like a a sick man only has one problem and a rich man has many. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is not helping me. You know, I realized that um, a few years ago, both of my sons, our sons, uh, admitted that their friends were really afraid of me. And I'm like, afraid of me? Like me? Like the class clown? What? And they, they're like, yeah, they think you're like in the Norwegian mafia. And the reason was because I had learned to compartmentalize so aggressively my personal life and my business life. And the symptom of that was I wasn't talking or engaging other dads, because I I really didn't know how. In the meantime, I've got this circle of business friends where they know everything about me. So in in, in 1967, I believe, there was a Harvard professor, Theodore Levitt, that hatched a term called marketing myopia. And my business, my core business that I started three decades ago is an innovation consulting firm. And what we do is we help successful companies identify emerging needs in the market and, and brainstorm idea monkey, a new product service or business model. And from that, what we, what I noticed was that experts have a really hard time innovating. And the reason is because we know too much. We know what works, we know what doesn't, et cetera. So Theodore Levitt called this marketing myopia. You, you're so good at the business you're in, you forget what business you're actually in. He talked about, you know, a a good example is if you've been making the sharpest drill bits for a hundred years, you wind up thinking you're in the drill bit business, you know, because you have patents and you source steel and you, it's all about drill bits. That's myopia. But the first person that comes along and says, I'm in the hole making business will put you out of business. So that's marketing myopia. What business are we really in? And in order to, for an entrepreneur to grow and to shift and to keep their eyes open, they have to be surrounded with people that go, that's bullshit, man. Or at least say, yeah, I see it completely differently. So the, that's what Flourish Forum is about, is trying to get six different types of thinkers. So when you bring a challenge in, you get six different types of leaders going, I see it differently, I see it differently, I see it differently. And that's how you scale. And it's something that I did not have clearly on my executive team and or in my forum. So I'm trying to solve that for other people. So you guys launched and 
how many uh, forums are you guys working on right now? Yeah, so I'm in the process of launching two new forums. One is uh, for businesses between one and call it 25 million in revenue, probably the sweet spots around 5 million. And I'm doing another one between 25 and 150 million. And those those two forums, they're just about filled. <laughs> those two forums will launch here in early Q2. Nice. I, have, I have another forum that the average revenue is for, uh, half billion. That's been around for a year. I have another forum where the average revenue is 5 million, and that's been around for nine months. So what I'm doing, this is a startup. I'm going to uh, moderate the first four Flourish forums, learn, and then I'll scale it with other people. If it's scalable, I mean, it's it seems to be. But um, anyway, it's been a lot of fun, and it's on purpose for me. That's so cool. So, so how many um, how many entrepreneurs are in each forum? So the the sweet spot is between six and ten. So there are six seats, Darius, and I use the Colby test, K O L B E, to figure out which seat you're in. You're either there's one or two operators, strategists, rainmakers, visionaries, tech futurists, and orchestrators in each group. And depending on that, the challenge is to is to make it balanced. And so if you have a really, really big personality, I'll probably have only one of those people in that seat. Nice. And so um, what's your what, what's your Colby score, by the way? I am a pure play visionary, 3393. 3393. I'm what's six, yours? I'm 6383. So you're a strategist. In the Flourish Farm construct, strategists have above the line fact finder scores and above the line quick start, they have lower follow through. You don't want, you get bored easily, but you like figuring out problems. You then will delegate and then you want to parachute in and tweak the engine. That's what a strategist does. But here's the thing. And this is the trap for entrepreneurs. We, you know, it's the Michael Gerber thing, the e-myth. We all started being the CFO, the head of sales, the operator, the visionary. So we can do all that stuff. We can but what I notice is that the best leaders, they wind up doing what makes them feel strongest. And Colby measures what you do in flow or under pressure. So I want people, when, when I've got a really tough challenge, I want them to retreat or run to the seat that they feel most comfortable in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so what are the different six different seats again? Strategist is one. So it's moving around the horn. I have it in my head visually. It's the operator the strategist, the rainmaker, the visionary, the tech futurist, and then the orchestrator. And so, and are you using Colby to, to, to discern that? That's the, that's the tool that, that figures that out for you? Yeah. Colby is my truth serum. I look at someone's CV, you know, what they've done historically, because that's, that's telling. But then the Colby, if there's a toss up between, I don't know, am I a visionary or am I a strategist? The Colby will tell me. Hey gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven figure company? 
to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years. And I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that, that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're, you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show, and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've know you got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk, and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly, though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real-world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius. Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix... They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and from my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. I'm out of curiosity. What's the difference between a visionary and a strategist? The pure play is that visionaries are ready, fire, aim. They don't let facts or (laughs) process or anything get in the way of their dreams. A lot of EO members are visionaries. Most companies that scale are run by strategists or operators. Oh, interesting. Like, you know, early days, Damon, I, you know, on stage, I'll often do the line, you complete me when I'm talking about uh, idea monkeys and ringleaders that, that came out before the EOS book, EOS calls it integrator implementers and what do they call visionary Visionary integrator, Yeah, integrator, integrator, right. That's ringleader idea monkey. And that's a great way to talk about the way we see the world's differently, but there, but I, I've expanded it and there's six characters. So visionaries will have execute on 22 ideas before a good operator gets to the first one. Cause the operator is like, hold on a second. Let's make sure it does work. Let's do some homework. Let's test it. Let's, and the visionary is like, screw that. I'm going to just go. And so that works really well when you're a small startup company. It blows up in your face when you're larger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it, I think it's because it, there's a lot of distraction, right? Creates distraction. And, and you can't, how do you, I mean, scale is about what I say to people, you know, cause I'm doing, I built my new scale system called scale map. And I, and when I'm coaching into that, I said, listen, scale is a friction removal process. Scale is a friction removal process to your point. Like 
like the way you're doing that, at least what I'm uh, picking up here from Flourish Forum is the friction removals from getting different people who are geniuses in these different parts that are important so that you can remove friction from the business, whether that's strategic, operational, you know, rainmaking, whatever it is. Those are all basically hurdles that get created that we need to remove friction from. But what I find with visionary, when I'm working with folks, or even when I'm dealing with visionaries or my friends that are visionary, it's like, man, they're just creating these hurdles for themselves because they're, to your point, lots of ideas and I'm just going to go do it. And I'm like, yeah, do you know how much freaking havoc you create by doing that? It's very useful for some stuff, but very painful if you want to create a a system that can be replicated and grown, right? So what do you think about that? So what's interesting is that one of my favorite sayings right now is that your weakness is the, is the tax you pay for your strength. And so, um, you know, David Rendell, what makes us strong makes us weak. It's your weakness is the tax you pay for your strength. And so if you look at what happened to businesses during the pandemic, the businesses that were run by operators, what they did was they dug a ditch and they cut costs and they got back to the core. And the way they removed friction was about pricing and supply chain. And that's what they focused on. But my visionary friends, what they did was they launched new businesses. You know, they just reinvented their businesses because that was their strength. Under pressure, that's what they went to. And there is no right answer other than balance. The challenge is that if you're too, I think I might've told the story the last time we were together, Darius, so forgive me, but I was on the board of advisors for General Electric and they were, they wanted to innovate. And so I was put on this advisory board and we went down, we went to 30 Rock and went, went up to the penthouse. And I remember walking down this long hallway with black and white pictures of middle-aged white guys who had run the company. And another advisor said, you know why we're here, right? And I said, yeah, we're here to help them innovate. He goes, yeah, sort of. We're here because it's been 13 years since General Electric has launched a new product based on their thousands of patents. Now, this is Thomas Edison's company. 13 years. And the reason was because Jack Welsh had come in and had done such a good job making it an operator culture that they forgot how to fail. But man, could they six sigma? Man, could they mitigate risk? That's out of balance. And when Jack Welsh left, they lost $200 billion of market cap because they'd squeezed as much profit out of their business units. They needed to to invent new things. Mm -hmm. And so the definition of creativity that I love is having the ability to have a variety of ideas about a certain challenge, not quantity, variety, and then pick the right idea at the right time. And so when you have six different levels levels of thinking, you get the variety and then you feel better about going, you know what? I think I know what I'm going to do because I heard from these six different people. So now I feel better about making the right choice. Do you think that by getting those, because obviously everyone has an opinion, right? And they're going to look at it from their lens. Do you think that all that does is maybe you're identify, helping to identify blind spots Absolutely. based off of the strengths? Is that the, the, is that the thought process? Well, it's twofold. You know, so when you're in your company and someone tells you you're full of crap, it's pretty easy to be triggered, you know, because like, hey, dude, my job is to be full of crap. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's my role here. Um, when you're in a When you're in a flourish forum, or a forum where everyone loves you and they, they don't really have a dog in the fight other than like, hey, dude, if you want to drive into a wall, go ahead. But here's right. how I see it. You have, you have a certain level of trust going, whoa, maybe I'm missing it. And you know, the big ideas are in what you don't see. 
You know what the Mark Twain quote, it's not what you know that gets in trouble, gets you in trouble. It's what you know that just ain't so. And <laughs> I've so, never heard that before. Yeah. So we get so good at knowing the answer until it's no longer the answer. I mean, the world shifts under our feet and that go-to punch like, dude, I've scaled this company 30% revenue year over year for the last 10 years. You're telling me I don't know my business? Well, right. yeah, that worked, but now it won't, you know? So the, the question is, what business are you really in? What business do you have the right to be in? And that frame, you know, being able to frame your business broadly, we're not in the drill bit business, we're in the hole making business. And that, that typically comes from people who see things differently than you, who are not in your stuff every day. So when, when you start to like look at, I mean, it sounds like obviously you've had two successful flourish forums, you're launching a couple more. So now you're, you know, you're proving the concept that the idea has come to fruition. What are you seeing when you start to talk to these members who've been doing this with you for, you know, nine months, a year, year plus, what are the biggest value that you're, you're seeing them get from it? What are you hearing? What feedback are you getting right now? That's a good question. So no, in no particular, well, first of all, one of the things I'm most proud of is that the first Flourish Forum, those members are now recommending operating presidents, good friends, family members saying, you got to get into this. So that that makes me feel really good because it's, you know, to inspire and empower curiosity, that's my purpose. I'm getting it done. So that I love that. Second of all, the hardest person to convince to be in a Flourish Forum is the operator because <laughs> they're cynical. They, like God made them, they, they're, they're from Missouri. They're from the <laughs> prove it, like show me state. And so they don't like, why would I be like, I know what I'm doing, but the operators are the ones that seem to get the most out of it because what happens mm. is they are, they're the ones whose perspective typically is shifted most dramatically. And that's a real gift to them. So that's one thing I've noticed. I think that, that trust and vulnerability is the elixir that makes or the is is what makes change happen and if you don't establish a group that is willing to be vulnerable and trust each other you won't get anywhere but as soon as a member is willing to do that everything opens up i think that there's a sense of palpable relief when people realize that their problems are not unique to them weirdly Interesting. It doesn't really matter what business you're in. Our problems are very similar. And I think that, you know, one of the things we do is we bring in these thought leaders. Thank you. You came to one of our Flourish forums and, and they present. And then that mix up where you get to talk to someone who's a, a subject matter, matter expert and also a peer, that's really valuable, you know, because it isn't your questions. It's the questions that come from your forum mates where the real light shines through. Oh, I love that. And so when you start to like lean into the future and think of maybe the BHAG that you have for this Flourish Forum, I mean, have you guys established a BHAG? Are you looking at like, do you have a 20-year, 10-year, 5-year vision for where you want to take this? Yeah. Um, my BHAG uh, was 1,000 members in 10 years. I'm not sure that that's fun. I mean, I, I like to do the one-page strategic plan and all that. But, you know, I'm in a, I don't know that that's the right BHAG, honestly. I think the impact is different. And I honestly am not sure how scalable this is. The, the challenge is that I've created a business model that's a lot like Tetris. 
you know, there's only six seats. You have to be in the same size business. You have to qualify for the seat. And so finding those people at the right time is not the recipe for scale, but it is the recipe for impact. So if you're in a Flourish forum, I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. Right. So I'm still thinking about that. I have some ideas if I just wanted to scale it. I'm not sure that that's what the purpose of this is. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and to your point, like it's what are you trying to get out of it? And if your goal is impact, right, and you enjoy what you're doing, then probably the rest will just take care of itself. So I've decided to, do, to run four of these myself and then bring in other people to run them if we scale it. So anyway, I eyes wide open. I'm trying to be curious and grateful for what's happened and just, you know, let it come to me. I'm not, it's working out. So, you know, like I said, starting is easy, scale is tough. So I'm not, I'm trying to walk before I run here. Yeah. I love that. One question I would ask is, uh, you know, when you, before the show, we were talking about, you know, pressing that redo button, right? Yeah. And, and and I know that Flourish Forum and all the different ideas and businesses is always, they're always built around solving a problem, right? But but if you were pressing the do-over button and looking at, you know, where you started and the things you wish you knew and, and whether that, whether Flourish Forum is part of that solution or not, but if I could get in a time machine and go back to 30 years ago and, you know, before you started Maddox Douglas, what would you tell young Mike Maddox what, what type of advice would you maybe give yourself? I think John Wooden said, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And I've said that uh, probably a hundred times to my kids. And I think that I, I did pretty well with friends. I, you know, GOT, we started talking about that. Being around really curious, grateful people that have maintained their sense of wonder has created a, just an amazing life. I've got such great friends and they've kept me out of jail, you know, really. <laughs> Like, like, like legit, legitimately, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, I, if I ever ran for office, I'd be the guy going, I should be in jail, but I had good friends. Um, <laughs> I think that I wish I had thought more carefully about business partners. And to be clear, I have had amazing business partners and they thought a lot like me. And, you know, when I talk to young entrepreneurs, my first piece of advice is go find a partner that is sees the world differently than you, that completes you, that's the exact opposite. And so again, Flourish Forms is sort of a manifestation of that. But with my kids, I say, okay, you want to start a business? Think really hard about who your partner is because that's what's going to keep you. That's where the real tension that makes scale happen um, is going to exist. And I did not think that way. I also built a lot of service businesses. So that turned into you know, I'm a acts of service guy. So, you know, selling a project and then a project and then a project, it's fun, but it's a tough way to, uh, to run businesses. How about you? What would you do differently? Oh man. Wow. I was so enthralled by your answer. I wasn't thinking of my own. <laughs> well, first of all, I think that I would not have gone for the money I didn't care about, I, I was telling somebody the other today, I said, I didn't care about, oh, oh, I was telling this gentleman who I was talking about too, about my, my, my thing I'm doing with scale map. And he said, well, why'd you get in the mortgage business? And I said, I just didn't care about anything except how I can make the most amount of money. And I was the way a 22 year old would think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I was like, 
who's making the most amount of money around me? I'm going to go do what they're doing. And, and what I didn't realize then was that the culture of the business, the culture of the industry, would that be a place where I would be able to celebrate my talents? And as it turned out, it, it probably wasn't. Nobody cares if you, being creative in the lending business is not a, is not a very like honored like trait. You did pretty well. You know, I think that as a young person, you need a north star, and money's a pretty easy one to climb onto. You know, I I remember I got dinged by my wife when we were dating. She's like, "Well, what do you want to do?" I'm like, "I want to make a lot of money." She's like. Yeah, that's not really impressive to me. And she was right, but she was more evolved than I was. <laughs> my oh, prefrontal yeah. cortex had not developed yet. <laughs> yeah, my wife never has never really cared uh, cared for it. Like she doesn't care. It's like, it, and so it's one of the reasons I I, I was attracted to, to marrying her. Is I was like, oh, if it ever blows up, I don't have to buy her nice things. Like this is great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually there's so much truth to that the greatest gift my wife ever gave me was not caring that much. I mean, you know, I'd be, my hair would be on fire and I'd go home and go, okay, what do you think I should do? Oh, it'll work out. And it doesn't really matter because if it doesn't work out, I can get a job at McDonald's and we can live in a double wide. And she meant it. <laughs> like, she meant it. And I was like, okay, <sighs> that's good. All right. No problem then. <laughs> you know, one thing my wife did that was really impressive was I had a, fi- you're going to, you'll love this. Um, I don't know if I told you the story. I had five years where I didn't make any income like in a row. So and you're it, an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, <laughs> 2011. I was making like, I guess I made a little bit of money. If you average it out, I would have been better off making like pumping gas at my dad's gas stations. Like when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I paid to go to work, but my, and the one thing I did that was a, I married well. And she, she just, she just went to work. <laughs> you know, she was like, so she, she covered, she paid the bills. Like, and, and I got, gave me, it gave me space to go and create, you know, right. which I think is really an important part of, of being an entrepreneur is giving yourself that space. Cause it's hard and it has bumps, you know? Yeah. That's why I don't think that, the the North Star at 22 about making money is sustainable because, you know, one of my mentors, Rick Voren, I was complaining about something. I do a fair amount of speaking about, uh, you know, dr- the drama triangle and overcoming drama. And, um, you know, drama can't exist unless someone's willing to play the role of the victim. And you know that you're playing the role of the victim when you complain about anything. <laughs> so yeah. we all do it. And I remember I was saying, you know, um, I was bitching about something. He's like, and he's Yoda. This guy's like, Mike, are you open to some feedback? And I'm like, okay, you want to work on the engine? Go ahead, Rick. He goes, seriously, are you open to some feedback? I go, yeah, Rick. And he said, well, in my experience, people like you only change for two reasons. Either you have a vision that is so compelling. I mean, so compelling that nothing, I mean, nothing is going to keep you from reaching for that vision or you've suffered enough and you just can't take it anymore. So unless you can say yes to the question, do I have a compelling vision or have I suffered enough and I can't take it anymore, you're just going to keep bitching. Those are my words, not his. But when you're driven by money, if that's the compelling vision, the moment you don't get it for that, for 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, you're like, screw this. So most entrepreneurs I have found aren't really driven by money. They understand money. It's like a, it's a cape, like if they're making money, they're doing something right, but it's not sustainable because they're, you know, one of the things you see in forums 
is you start feeling guilty because your your life is hell and you're tired of hearing yourself about it. And someone else is like, oh, I crushed it. You know, oh my God, I just, another IPO or something like that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, wait three years because what's going to happen is like, you're going to be passing them up and you're going to be feeling bad going, dude, I am just on fire right now. It's like, oh, my family left me. And like, it's, there's this roller coaster that you sign up for when you say, I want to be an entrepreneur and it can't be about money. I just, I, because that it, it's just not sustainable in my experience. I mean, I'm sure it can be, but it can't be for me. I couldn't agree more. In 2010, I quit my forum because I was so tired of being in the pity party. <laughs> I took a one year. I said, I just can't do this in front of you guys anymore. It's, it's just too fucking embarrassing. <laughs> and yeah, so they, did, they tried talking good. me out of it. I just, I can't do it anymore. I took a year off and I came back when I was like, had figured out what I was doing next. But to your point, it is interesting when you start to see those, when you're in heads in the dumps and someone else is crushing it and you're like, you know, It'll tell you a lot about what's inside of you because you'll either be envious, you know, or, or you'll, you'll start to beat yourself up or you'll be happy for them, you know? And I think that like, to your point, money is, money is a bit of a drug and it's a bit of, bit, bit of a high, you know, you get that endorphin shot when you're making it, but it's not very fulfilling. I mean, once you hit a certain number. I have two thoughts on that. Number one, as you know, um, Darius, I, I, my wife is super sick. Right. And so, um, like really, really sick. And it's always been my perspective that you can't, I always knew you couldn't take it with you. I think money is useful to make memories. And I think that spending for memories is a wonderful use of cash. And I can tell you from experience that every memory that we made together that I don't think about what it costs. I'm just, I just think about, I'm glad we made that memory. Yeah. The other thing is just getting back to your getting tired of saying the same thing over and over again. You know, in innovation land, we use a process called design thinking. And uh, one of my buddies and a Flourish Forum member, Blair Enns, I want to credit this correctly, said something to me that um, actually I think he stole from Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. It's the problem isn't the problem. It's how you're thinking about the problem. Inside design thinking, right in the middle is empathy. And you got to make sure that you're trying to solve for the right thing. And it's been my experience that, that if you keep coming back to the same problem and talking about it, not being able to work through it, it's not the right issue. And so part like you're, you're working on the wrong problem, you know, and that's where that shift, like, you know, what is the issue? What is the issue? What is the issue? What is the issue? If you can reframe the issue, all of a sudden you have these like, oh my God, I've been solved, trying to solve the wrong problem. And I think that when I see people get really frustrated about being like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. How many times do I have to talk about this? That's the time when it's like, okay, let's have a coaching session and just make sure that we're talking about the right issue here. And in that reframe, if you can do it, that's where the big, oh, <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, it's so true, right? Because it's like you're pounding your head into the dirt and it's like, well, that's not, maybe you're not looking at the right thing. Yeah. And, and you know, I think on the look back, you, we all wind up with wisdom eventually, either the easy way or the hard way. You can look back on your life and go, man, I was so worried about that. And it turned out I was worrying about the absolute wrong thing, you know? But in the moment when you're worked up and, you know, 
the bank is on line one, your wife is on, or your partner's on line two, your kids are on line three, and your number two just resigned. It's real hard to reframe issues. Yeah. You're like, hey, just listen, there'll be a moment when you go back and look at this and you'll be laughing about this. And I'm like, yeah, we can't, that can't fucking show up any sooner. You know, how about God doesn't teach me this lesson right now? And we just say he did or she did. Right. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's tough when you're in it, and it's it's first world problems for people who don't get what we're talking about. But it's a grind, and it's a roller coaster, and and I think social media and all these people kind of celebrate the wins. What do they say that uh, success has many fathers and failure as an orphan? <laughs> yeah, I, I was I jumped on Clubhouse when it became a big thing, yeah. and um, after the seventh meeting where 23 year olds were telling me how to become a millionaire. I couldn't take it anymore. I'm oh. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I don't know painful. if that's still a thing on clubhouse, but I, it's like every meeting I parachuted into that seemed like that was like, well, I made my, the reason I'm becoming a millionaire, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it just yeah, didn't I, matter. I, I pulled my sniper and started shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, I knew this would be fun. Um, so yeah, where can people, you know, I know we got a lot of entrepreneurs like listening to the show. Where can people learn more about Flourish Forum? So the website is www.flourishforums, plural, flourishforums.com. And, um, you know, I'm happy to, my contact information is there. I'm happy to talk to you or, and my intention is always to hook people up with some kind of forum. Whether, whether whether you're a fit for Flourish Forums or not, I can connect you in ways that you'll have a peer group. And I highly recommend it to your uh, listeners. It is a macro trend, by the way. You're, in the next three, four years, forums are going to be a big deal in workplaces, et cetera. It is coming. It's a wave. This is a different type of, this is for CEOs or P&L leaders, but there will be forums everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, I When I work with one-on-one clients, I, once they elevate to a certain size, we build forums in their companies. There you go. You're ahead of trend again. (laughs) Always early. (laughs) Man, Mike, such a pleasure having you on the show again. I can't wait till I get to see you and and hug you in person and hang out and have a drink and catch up in real life. Me too. It's great to see you. Congratulations on creating something uh, really important, Darius. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. You as well, my friend. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Pay attention. Listen to our show. We'll see you guys soon. Peace out. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers, and after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one.
This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.